Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. We are coming to the end of a series that we've been going for the, doing for the last five weeks called Letters to the Church. Who's enjoyed this series? Anyone enjoyed this series? Yeah, it has been a great series. Uh, I've enjoyed preaching it. Not necessarily preaching it to you. It's actually been hard preaching it because Jesus is pretty straight. I'm going to come back to that a little bit later. I mean, he's, he, he's direct. Uh, but I've really loved just diving in and reading just the context. You know, one of the things that's, that stands out to me as I read these letters to the seven churches in Asia Minor is that Jesus really knew the church. He knows them. He knows their context. He knows their situation. He knows what's going on in their city. And I'd be fascinated to know what Jesus would write if he wrote to the city of Brisbane. You know, maybe there'd be an allusion to the river, the brown snake. I, you are a church. I don't know. Or, uh, or, or uh, I don't know, the, the Broncos or sport or uh, bridges. I don't, you know, there are nuances that we read in these letters that relate to what is actually part of the character of the city. Not only do we see that Jesus knows the church, but we also see that he loves the church. He loves the church. And that's why he's writing a letter. He actually writes a personal letter to the church. Through John, he writes to the church. And these letters were designed to be open letters. They were read for everybody. to. Everybody got to read each other's mail, essentially. Revelation is a letter from Jesus to the church that everybody gets to hear. And as I've been saying each week, as it says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, those who read the words of Revelation and take them to heart will be blessed. We will be blessed. So as we read again today, you are blessed as long as you take it to heart. That's the only uh, stipulation. So let's dive in, shall we, to Revelation. We're going to be reading the last letter, perhaps the most well-known of all the letters. It's the letter to the church in Laodicea. And uh, there was a song back in the day that I used to love listening to. I don't know, Steve Green or someone like that. And I used to love a song. Anyway, to the church, to Laodicea. So Revelation chapter 3, if you've got your Bibles, open up. And we're going to be starting at verse 14. To the church in Laodicea. The words will be on the screen behind me as well if you don't have your uh, Bible or digital device with you. Revelation chapter 3, starting at verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. 
To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, I think we all know just from life experience that things left to themselves in natural conditions will change temperature. So hot things in natural conditions go cool and cold things warm up. And, and this is true in the house and the home, particularly when it comes to food. But we are blessed, aren't we, in our day and age that we have appliances that keep things cool and warm things up. You know, we have the wonderful, I visit, I visit the fridge multiple times a day. Anyone just love the fridge? Anyone think the fridge is a dangerous thing? Particularly if you're working from home in isolation. I go and visit my friend the fridge often. But one thing that really annoys me about the fridge, and not about the fridge per se, but my children, is in the morning when I come to get cereal or to, to make a coffee, I often find the milk sitting outside on the table and it's sweating like this, going warm because they've had their cereal and they've just left everything out. And I, if I have cereal, which is not often, I like my cereal cold. Anyone like their milk cold on their cereal? You know, you can't have wheat mix unless that milk is super cold, right? My brother, he, he's got a few issues. When he was a little younger, he would wake up an hour before he was supposed to wake up, take the milk out of the fridge and put it in the freezer, go back to bed, wake up an hour later to get the milk because it was super cold and then he would have his 15 wheat bix That's a little bit strange. But he liked his, thing, his, his milk cold. We like our drinks cold, don't we? You know, you come in from a hot day, you want to get your drink out of the fridge because the fridge keeps things cool. But if it's left out, I hate it when I leave my sparkling water out. I come in and it's, it's warm. When we leave things out in their natural conditions, cold things, they go warm. On the other side, we like things hot. And the gift of the microwave as an appliance means that if things, things go cold, we can warm them up. Now, some mornings like this morning, I, uh, I, I make my beautiful wife a coffee. Uh, most often, uh, she's the one who makes the coffee, but she's not here. So I can say that I make my wife a coffee every day. <laughs> I, I make a nice flat white and I do it properly with the love, love heart latte art. No, I actually, I don't know how to do that. I wish I could, but I don't know. And I give it to Megan in the morning as she wakes up, say, there you go, sweetheart. And then she's so busy with lots of things going on in the morning that she takes a few sips of that coffee that I've made to a perfect temperature. And half an hour, 45 minutes later, I walk past and I see that coffee and it's cooled down. It's no longer good. It's gone tepid. That's the word. I like that word. It's another word for lukewarm. Tepid. Tepid. Tepid coffee, and we know the tepid coffee is not good coffee, is it? Luckily, we do have a microwave, open the door, as Megan often does, stick it in there, and within moments, you have it nice and hot again. 
You know hot things left in natural conditions cool down. They go tepid. They go lukewarm. And Jesus writes to the church in Laodicea. We've picked this up, right? And he says, you have gone lukewarm. See, the key ingredient to go lukewarm is this. It's to do nothing. Just leave things as they are in their natural condition. The key ingredient to a lukewarm life is to do nothing. And Jesus says to the church in Laodicea, he says, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other, but you have gone lukewarm. The key ingredient to lukewarmness is doing nothing. Now, it's really interesting that, that when Jesus is writing, as, as I've already said, that when he writes to the church, he has this intimate understanding of the nature and the type of church it is. And so Laodicea was known for its really, really rubbish water. Its water was no good. In fact, archaeologists have dug up the pipes and they, they've found that there was a lot of lime in the pipes, which actually meant that the water tasted terrible. Brisbane has hard water, doesn't it? has like calcified water. We, Brisbane has a bad rap for the taste of water. I don't know if people notice that at all, but, but it, it's hard water. There's lots of calcium in the water. Brisbane doesn't have good water. And, and Laodicea did not have good water. It had disgusting water. And when you've got disgusting water, you notice, don't you? You notice when you drink water and it doesn't taste quite right. I remember doing a trip to the Solomon Islands when I was a young adult. And we went out to some villages to do some work and some mission work and some meet with some churches and church leaders. But the main thing I remember about that whole visit was the horrific water. I remember that for some reason, that when they boiled the water, they did it in big pots that had a burnt flavour or that was taste to it. So the, the, the water was smoky. I mean, it, it was a, it, I'm sure it was a great trip, but the thing that I remember most was just trying to drink this smoky water. It was terrible. Laodicea had terrible water, terrible drinking water. But they were surrounded by cities that had great water. So you had Heropolis that was 10k away to the north and, and it had nice hot springs, nice hot water. And they would actually send down that water uh, to uh, Laodicea. But by the time it got to Laodicea, it was cool, it was tepid, it was lukewarm. And then you had Colossae. Colossae was another city in the area and Colossae was known for its cold water. It had cold springs. Colossae, known for its cold water. Heropolis, known for its hot water. Laodicea, known for its rubbish water. And Jesus says, Laodicea, as a church, you are lukewarm. And Jesus, in fact, reacts. He says, I will. It's pretty, it's pretty strong language, isn't it? He says, I will spit you out of my mouth. I mean, that, that is strong language. I mean, if you spat something, if someone gave you food and you spat it out, that would not be a good thing. But it's, it's something that, that we react react to, don't we? You know, our bodies, when something goes in that is not quite right, that's disgusting. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you disgust me. Because to spit, your, spit something out of your mouth is to actually say, I taste something disgusting. I've shared the story before where, where um, I came in on a hot day and started sculling what I thought was a nice cold glass of water, but it ended up being white vinegar. Yeah, exactly. Yuck. It was 
disgusting. And I spat that out as fast as it came in. That's what we do. And Jesus is saying, I spit you out of my mouth. You disgust me. This is really strong language. As I said before, going through these letters, it's a, it's a challenging thing, isn't it? Like I, I found, I, I actually, I, found, found, I, I get up again and I'm saying, well, these are the words of Jesus, but he, this is what he says to the churches then. I think is what he says to us now. And it can feel like Jesus is just ticking off a whole bunch of boxes of things he doesn't like about the church. But we need to understand that the heart behind what Jesus is saying is, is and always is love for his church. Jesus loves his church. He died for the church. The church is his body. He loves the church and so we see. He says those, this is right at the beginning of this letter to later. He says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Those who I love, I rebuke and discipline. I think this is an invitation for all of us. You know, I think sometimes we struggle with rebuke, don't we? It's not easy to be pulled aside by somebody who loves us and says, hey, listen, I've noticed a few things. It's not easy to, to hear words of someone who loves you to say, there's some gaps in your life or there's some things that I just feel like I need to say. And I think in our world and our time, in, in this time where everything is about affirmation, where everything is about you know, our psychological self and our well-being, that, that I think that we've lost the ability to hear discipline in its right way. You know, we, we hear rebuke as judgment. We hear discipline as punishment. We, we hear correction and challenge as criticism. But when Jesus speaks to us in love, he's actually validating who we are as his people. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer to the Hebrews says in verse 8, says, if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate not true sons and daughters at all. Jesus speaks to us. He speaks to the church. He speaks to you and I in love. And he rebukes and disciplines us because we are his children. We're legitimate. You know, I've, I've got kids and I discipline my kids because I love them. And I don't want them to be sociopaths at school. They still are. No, that's, that's, that's not entirely true. <laughs> and so Jesus is speaking in love. He's saying, I am disciplining in you, you in love because I want you to walk the right walk and you are not riding, walking the right walk. You are not hot or cold, but you are church lukewarm. You've abandoned your committedness. You've lost your spiritual conviction. You've forgotten your faithfulness. I think sometimes we read this passage and we think, oh, we just need to get more intense. We just need to get more passionate. And while some of those things might be right, that is not what Jesus is after. You know, I used to go to youth camps where this verse was used. Maybe you did as well. It's kind of like, come on, you just need to get more passionate for Jesus. You need to get hot for Jesus. Which is actually not what Jesus is saying. He says, you need to get hot or cold. 
You can be cold for Jesus. You can be hot for Jesus. You just can't be lukewarm for Jesus. Choose your mark. Be, be, be a person of conviction and follow me. See, Jesus is after long obedience. He's after long obedience. That journey of day in, day out, committed, trusting in who God is. He is after people who walk in faith. And that's a choice every day. Faith is a choice every day. The key ingredient for a lukewarm faith is do nothing. What does it take for a coffee to go cold? Nothing. What does it take for this milk here to go, to go warm? Nothing. And Jesus goes on to say something must happen. Why? Because the nothingness comes from a sense of self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency, Jesus says to the church in Laodicea, ruins faith. It ruins the faithful life. Jesus says, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. Again, there's some contextual things going on here. Laodicea was known as a city with a banking sector. You know, it was rich. It was a rich city that had a, a, a significant banking sector. In fact, in AD 61, there was a, there was a, a large earthquake in the area and, and the Roman uh, government uh, offered essentially support, like what we would get if we had an earthquake or floods or whatever. They offered support to the cities and Laodicea rejected the support. We're okay, thanks. We don't need your support. We are self-sufficient. Laodicea was also known as a centre for eye care. We talk about blindness. It was actually it had a, it had a, 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 a well-known eye care clinic in in the city, and uh, it, it had this uh, this salve, this what was known as uh, Fergian powder, which was the region uh, of the area. This had this powder. It was a salve that would treat eyes. Laodicea was known uh, as a place for professional eye care. And it was also a place a little bit like Sardis that we looked at last week. It was known for its uh, textiles and its clothing and clothing production. And so when Jesus says, you are poor, you are blind, you are naked, that's significant. See, the church had thought that it was rich. The church thought that it was beautiful. The church thought that it could see. But actually, it was the complete opposite. Why? Because the church had become self-sufficient. The church thought it had everything it needed. And perhaps the most significant thing in this is the fact that they couldn't see it. See, self-sufficiency is a result of blindness to truth. Perhaps the greatest issue in the church was the fact that they couldn't see that they were naked and that they were poor. And self-sufficiency blinds us to the truth. Let me give you an example. Who here wears glasses? I know a whole bunch of you already are wearing glasses. Some of you are wearing I, I have. I've got contact lenses. I remember, like I'm sure you remember, when you thought, oh my goodness, I think I've got, I've got a vision problem. I was in grade 11 and I couldn't read the board. 
Everybody else could read the board, but I couldn't read the board. Now, if I didn't have anyone else to compare to, if I was self-sufficient, if I was just sitting and doing my own life and living my own life, I wouldn't know that my eyes were slowly going blind. But because we have signs and because we have things on screens that everybody has a reference point to, we know when we're actually not being able to see because everybody else can. In fact, I was sitting in a meeting this week looking at a screen and the person sitting next to me said, can, can you read that? And I said, yes. And that was a revelation for them. I think I'm going blind. <laughs> well, maybe not blind, that's a little bit harsh, but I think I've got an eye problem. But when you're self-sufficient... When you live outside of any other reference point, you don't know what's going on. You don't know if you're going blind or not. And the church in Laodicea who was self-sufficient, thinking that they had everything they needed, was blind to the fact that they were naked and poor. Blindness is deception. We deceive ourselves in thinking that everything is okay. We deceive ourselves in telling ourselves that we're all good. And I think that that is a, a critique not just for Laodicea, but it's, it's a critique for the church today, particularly the Western church. You don't have to read too much to see and read it, what's going on in, in parts of the evangelical church, if no other part of the Western church, to see that we've fallen into as a church, deception. We've, we've thought certain things about ourselves, we've behaved in certain ways which are incredibly unacceptable. And we've lost authority, we've lost power because we have deceived ourselves. We've got to be honest about this. I think too in the, in, in the West, you know, we're so wealthy, we have so much and we think that we just bring everything I gotta tell you, when I went to the Solomon Islands, I went to a church that, you know, and I went to, into tribes that have so far less, but they have a revival spirit in their hearts. You know, I was blown away. You just drive through mud tracks to get to places in islands I've never seen or on a map before and be with God's people as they, and these, these beautiful people getting up at 3 a.m. in the morning to cry out to God for revival and repentance. There is a hunger and thirst in the, in, in the non-Western church, in many parts of the church that have a hunger and a desire and a longing for the presence and the power of God that we frankly do not have. We've lost our vision. We've deceived ourselves. And Jesus says to the church in Laodicea, I believe he'd say to, to, to us today, your self-sufficiency is ruining your faith. You don't need me, or at least you don't think you need me. But Jesus goes on to say to the church in Laodicea, he says, you desperately need me. You need to recover your faith. And Jesus says that dependency, it's dependency that revives our faith. Dependency on God revives our faith. Jesus goes on to say, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Jesus is saying, you need to open your eyes because you don't see that you have need. 
You have need, and, and what's more is you cannot fulfill, you cannot sort out your needs. You need me, Laodicea, to fulfill your needs. This is the wake up call that Jesus is saying, you need to come to me to buy gold. You need to come to me to buy clothes. You need to come to me to buy salve for your eyes because what you have is not enough. You need to depend on me. You need to depend on my provision. You need to depend on me. We need, let me just talk to us for a moment. We need more than what we have in our hands. We need the presence the power and the provision of God. You know, in this season, I've been, been reminded of our journey before we planted. There was a lot of dependency on God in the year leading up to planting a church in the city. You know, we, we didn't have the resources. We didn't have a building. I remember walking around and looking for a, for, for a building, in South, particularly in South Brisbane, we weren't thinking of being here at all. We were dependent on God. We feel like you're calling us into the city, but we, but we, don't, we don't know where we're going to meet. We don't know how this is going to work. I, you know, for me, I didn't know who was going to come. It was kind of like, we feel like we're called to plant a church in the city of Brisbane, but, but there is a lot of dependency on you, God. And I remember some of you were there when we would gather in, in, in basements and in concrete rooms on the south side of Brisbane, just in South Bank, and we would cry out to God. Who was, who was part of it? We've got some, some pictures of prayer. Some of you were there, dependent on God, saying, God, you need to break through for us. God, you need to provide for us. We are desperate for you because we don't have it. You have it. We know you have it. But we don't. And I believe that God is again refreshing my heart and my mind to become dependent on Him again so that we may see great things continue to happen in this community, in this church, in this city. You know, I've, uh, I've written a letter for this church. In fact, all us campus pastors have written a personal letter to our campuses. And I've written a letter, a personal letter my heart to you. And they're sitting at the back in a box on your way out. I would love for you, it's personalised. And I'd love for you, it's in alphabetical order. Just go back and get your letter. It's a letter that I've written to you. And if your name is not on there, it's because you're not in our database. Or you're visiting. And I just didn't know you were coming today, so I do apologise. Uh, um, I'm not that good. Um, and so that we do have some, some just empty ones that don't have any names on them. If you're part of our church and your name's not there, I apologise. Um, we just printed off our database. I'd love for you just to fill in a Connect card um, uh, as you grab one, just so that we can have you part of, our, part of our church database. And I send an email out every week. I send a letter out to you every week to encourage you. So I'd love for you to do that. So on your way out, make sure you grab that letter. I just want to re- read part of my prayer for the church. So I've been praying and thinking for us in this coming season. So it's almost been three years. Can you believe that? Three years. Some people said, yes, we can believe it. It's been hectic. I'm exhausted. <laughs> let, me just read, let me just read a prayer. You can, there's much more that you can read when you take the letter. My prayer 
is that our desire and passion for what God has called us to from the beginning would not go out. My prayer is that in this season, our vision and purpose, both personally and corporately, would be renewed. My prayer is that the Spirit of God would refresh those of you who are weary and tired, that you would be filled again with his power and grace. My prayer is that new joy would spill over every time we meet. And may the prayers that shaped us right at the beginning remain. That we would be a church that passionately pursues God's presence. That we would be a church where everyone gets to play their role and use their gifts. That we would be a church where people would find Jesus. And that we would be a church that reaches out to those outside the doors of the church, whether that be healthcare workers, those sleeping rough, young families, city professionals or university students. We have been called to reach the city with Jesus and the need is greater than ever. May those prayers never leave us. God has called us to be dependent on him. There is something about prayer as I've, as I've written that prayer. It's, it's that acknowledgement again of we can't do it. Don't ever think that we have the resources in our hands alone to reach the city of Brisbane. We are dependent on the presence and the power of God. Here's the thing. If the key ingredient to a lukewarm life is nothing, then the key ingredient to a faith-filled life for us as a church is the presence of God. It's presence. Nothing or presence. Jesus says... Here I am. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus is saying, the way in which you get power, the way in which you move away from a lukewarm faith is to know me afresh, to let me in. To know my presence afresh. I reckon this verse as again has been used, particularly this verse, has been used by evangelists for those who don't know Jesus. And listen, that's fine. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock, but come on. This is not for people outside the church. This is a verse for people inside the church. In that St. Paul's Cathedral, one of, uh, I've, I've gone there so many times. It is an incredible cathedral. There is a painting on the, oh, I can't remember, east or west wing. Uh, but it's a painting, painting written by, uh, uh, written, painted by Holman Hunt. I think we've got it. Can you, can, you, can you show it? Don't know if you've seen this painting before. He's called it Light of the World. And you see there that, that Jesus is standing and, and, uh, and, and he's outside a door knocking. And there's a passage underneath the painting in St. Paul's Cathedral which has this verse in it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone come in, anyone open the door. Anyway, someone, someone was observing this with Holman Hunt, critiquing it and, 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 and admiring it, to be honest. So the story goes. And the, and, and the person observing, admiring and critiquing it said, listen, I love what you've done. See the overgrowth, see the door there. And there's, there's you know, it looks like it hasn't been open for a long time and, and it's dark and Jesus is there. And it's, it's amazing. I love what you've done with the light and the way, the way it you know, kind of shines on the door in Jesus' face. But um, it's just one thing you've, you've missed. Uh, it's a door, but there's no door handle. 
And Holman Hunt said, oh, oh no, 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 I, I didn't miss that. That's, that's intentional. The door handle is on the inside. And the invitation for every one of us, those of us who know Jesus, again, this is for those of us who have been invited into a place of relationship with Jesus is that Jesus says to the church in Laodicea, I believe He says to us today, you need to open the door. I'm not going to force it open. I'm not going to force myself upon you. You need to open the door and you need to let me in. And this is the whole focus and the whole drive that Jesus wants. Jesus says, I want you to open the door so I can be with you. I want you to open the door so I can sit with you. I want you to open the door so I can spend time with you, that I can enjoy your company. And as I do, as I presence myself with you, then I will give you power. Then I will give you strength. Then I will give you the resources. Then I'll give you everything that you need to make a difference in the city. Jesus is saying, my presence is enough for you. Just let me in. Just let me in. The invitation for the church in Laodicea, the invitation for the church here in Brisbane City this morning is that we would open the door and allow the light and the presence of Jesus to come in. And when we do, when we open the door, that is when we find power. It's not doing nothing. It's choosing to open the door and access the power. It's when we open the door, we become cold for Jesus. When we open the door, we become hot for Jesus. We step away from the lukewarmness that so easily comes in when we are self-sufficient. When we choose to open the door, we're saying, Jesus, Your presence and Your power is all we need. We are dependent on You. I love how Jesus starts and ends this, this passage. He starts by saying, these are the words of the Amen. These are the words of the Amen. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Jesus is saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I have all power. I was there at creation and I will be there at the Amen. And then at the end, he says, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. We need to know that Jesus wins, that he is seated at the right hand of the father. He is seated on the throne and we are invited into that place as well. When we know the presence of God, our place is also on a throne. And so in Ephesians, we, sit, we reread in Ephesians chapter 5, we read that we are seated in Christ. We are seated with Christ. It's kind of a now and a not yet that we're invited to be with Christ in the heavenly realms. Now we carry something of the now, the presence and the power of God now, but there's something for eternity. There is something to look forward to where we will be in the presence and the power of God forever. We're invited into that now to walk in the Kingdom of God now so that we may, and we've celebrated already today, as a church, go out into the city, 
bring hope, bring healing, bring life, bring restoration, bring salvation to those who desperately need it. And my goodness, our city desperately needs it. The loneliness, the depression, the anxiety, the pain, the frustration, the weariness. Guys, this is our time and our moment. Let us not be distracted, but let us be dependent on the power of God. We need His power to make a difference in the city. We need to be filled. We need to open doors and allow the presence of God to come in and fill us, fill you afresh. I'd love for us to, uh, to respond by being filled. Just to say, come Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, come into my heart afresh. Come into my life afresh. Come into my family afresh. Come into my home afresh. I wonder whether some of you do feel like you are just on autopilot at the moment. There's a self-sufficiency that's come in and you've lost your dependence, your absolute and utter dependence on the presence and the power of God. And today Jesus is saying, I want to come in. I want to come in. I want to renew your life afresh. I want to fill you afresh with my presence and my power and give you everything I need. I wonder whether we can stand. I'm going to get the band to come up. There's a beautiful ancient prayer of the church that just says, Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. I reckon that's the prayer we need to pray. It's that opening the door, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. It's what we encounter now. We just pray that prayer. Come Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Come and fill me. We've been worshipping and singing about this already, but guys, I reckon we pray, we sing just this chorus a couple of times and then I might just invite people just to come down the front. Those of you who just need a refreshing, those of you who need to be filled with the presence of God afresh. Not out of any judgment, just saying, God, fill me. Just fill me. Just fill me. I need your power. I'm dependent on you. So why don't we sing this song a couple of times as a prayer and then we invite people to come for it. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.